The MMA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. WinBet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Massachusetts, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. From boosted same-game parlays to live in-game odds, WinBet has what you need to win. Bet $100 and get $100 at winbet.com or download the WinBet app and start winning today. State restrictions do apply. We're also brought to you by the D-Gen Dance. Our March Madness bankroll contest is back and it's free to enter with $1,000 in cash and prizes up for grabs. Plus, we've got our first half unders bingo, both contests on the SGPN app. Howdy-ho, DeGenerinos, and welcome to the MMA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network, episode 311. I want to throw this one out to uh, Tig, who recently gave us a wonderful review over on Apple Podcasts. If you are a regular listener to the show, please head on over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Leave us a review wherever it is you are, because uh, we sure do appreciate it. And occasionally, I'll get you a shout out right here on this show from me. Now, who am I, you might ask? I am the usual co-host of this show, Daniel Gumby Freeland. Uh, you can catch all of my writing over on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network, and I've hosted this show for now 311 episodes. Um, my usual co-host, missing in action this week yet again, so I am joined now by my co-host, Kurt Chase Patrick, to break down USC 286. Kurt, are you excited for this uh, this prelim card? Yeah, man, I'm pretty pumped for the uh, for everything on this card. I think the prelims are solid. Obviously, the main card is uh, really good. Um, yeah, this is a really good card. Two back-to-back pay-per-views that are just very, very solid. Yeah, and we don't usually see two pay-per-views in a month. And, of course, uh, those of you who frequent this show know uh, we will be kicking it off with the prelims. There are 10 prelims, which is pretty ridiculous, but I think it's just them trying to squeeze as much British action into one card as they possibly can to avoid getting them all the visas that they'd have to overseas. Um, but, yeah, it's an exciting one. It's one that uh, we should probably just get right into because – while, uh, while there's usually a little piece to banter or two, not a ton of news right now. And, hey, we're going to give you guys 10 fights in one episode, so you better be uh, thankful for it. So let's get cracking right away. Uh, kicking us off first, we're going to talk about women's flyweight division. I'm talking about Veronica Hardy versus Juliana Miller. You might remember Veronica Hardy by her maiden name, Veronica Macedo. So Veronica Hardy, since marrying Dan Hardy, uh, is 27 years old. She is 6-4-1 in her professional career. She is 5'4 with a 64-inch reach. That will leave her with a 3-inch height and 2-inch reach disadvantage in this fight against Miller. She's 1-4 in her UFC stint, but she's been away for three years. And I, I believe in those three years, she did say that she had retired. She, she had said that she had hung him up. I don't think she had been planning on fighting again. But somehow they coaxed her out of retirement to fight uh, a fighter I think they're pretty high on it, Juliana Miller. Her nickname is Killer. She is 26 years old. She's 3-1 and one in her professional career. 5'7", 66-inch reach. As I mentioned, that'll give her a slight height and reach advantage. She's 1-0 and oh in the UFC. Uh, that was her title, or well, UFC uh, Ultimate Fighter title run uh, as she beat Brogan Walker in the finals. And she was 1-1 one one in Invicta before that. Uh, the odds here are 
some of the wildest on the whole card here. Veronica Hardy comes in as a plus 340 underdog to Juliana Miller at negative 460. Uh, I always let the co-host kick it off, or, or Jeff usually lets me kick it off since I'm usually the co-host. But uh, I'm going to let you go ahead and give us your take on this one first, Kurt. Yeah, so um, Macedo Party, uh, yes, he's, she's been out of the cage for a while since March 14th, 2020. She has lost three of her last four. Uh, this just smells like a recipe for uh, kind of, I don't want to say given uh, – Juliana Miller layup because Macedo or Hardy, I gotta keep saying Hardy, right? Um, she is good. She's got some skills, but uh, I think this is uh, set up for Juliana Miller to kind of showcase here. Miller um, has some improving striking, but she really does her best work on the ground. Um, I see her getting uh, this fight to the ground and, uh, you know, either finishing with ground and pound or maybe like a rear naked joke. Miller's super aggressive. She's got a lot of skill. Um, I think she gets this one done. You know, I, I, I think you're 100% right in why the UFC booked this matchup, right? They, I think they want Juliana Miller to do well. Like, I, I really do think when she won the Ultimate Fighter, they were like, cool, she's got a good story. Uh, You know, she's, she's kind of got a little bit of an edge to her, which they loved on the show and stuff like that. Who can we get her that she might be able to beat? And really, I'll be honest with you, I don't think there's many flyweights in the UFC they could. So they found somebody who's been retired for three years and seemed like she was never going to fight again in Veronica Hardy. And I don't actually even think they found it. I'm going to go with a massive underdog here to kick off the show. I'm going to take Veronica Hardy in the reason wow. why. Yeah. And, and here, hear me out on this one because, you know, a, a 340 underdog shouldn't be taken lightly at any point in time. But the reason why I think this is because if you go back and you look at I, I went back and watched her entire fight with Jillian Robertson, a, a fight where she got rear naked choked. And, and mentally, I was like, she got rear naked choked against Jillian Robertson. You know, Juliana Miller likes to do a lot of the things that Jillian Robertson does. Granted, she's not as good. She's like a dime store Juliana uh, or uh, Jillian Robertson, rather. Mm-hmm. So I, I think I was like, you know, this would be a good, you know, sort of analog to use here. Veronica Hardy refers so many positions on Jillian Robertson, which is something I did not remember. Robertson shot some takedowns. She like hipped over. She hit sweeps. She won scrambles. She wound up on top. Like, it was all stuff I wasn't ready to see happen to Jillian Robertson. Jillian Robertson, somebody who badly outgrappled Rose Namajunas in a grappling match recently. So to see that out of Hardy made me think, like, okay, well, how big can Juliana Miller's advantage be there if it wasn't that big against uh, Robertson? And in addition to that, I think Hardy strikes better. So I'm going to go with Hardy. I will say this. The three-year layoff is obviously the huge question. Could she come in looking like she has never fought before? Undoubtedly, that's a real possibility. But with that being said, I think I'm ready to roll the dice at uh, plus 340. Now, uh, before we get too deep into this, speaking of places where you could roll the dice a little bit, WinBet is the official online sports book of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. WinBet is now active in Massachusetts and a ton of other states. Be on the lookout for WinBet's Win Hour each Thursday from 5 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time during WinBet Win Hour. Marquee games of the week will have better odds on WinBet, giving you a larger payout opportunity. And March Madness is here, and there are so many ways to bet on the big dance. Sign up today and receive a special offer. Bet $100, get $100, limited to state availability, and of course, for the DGENs only. If you hit the biggest long shot parlay of the week, you get a $1,000 free credit. There's so much to choose from, and all you have to do is head on over to winbet.com or download the WinBet app now. 
Offer subject to change, terms and conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 years or older and present in the state where playthrough winbet is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Also, the D-Gen Dance, our March Madness bankroll contest, is back. Free to enter, 100% free to enter, but $1,000 in cash and prizes is up for grabs. Plus, our first half unders bingo, where you can win an SGPN gift card, is also back. And both of those contests are available only on the SGPN app. All right, so let's keep this rolling. We're on to our second fight, which is in the lightweight division. We got Jai Herbert versus Ludovic Klein. Jai Herbert, the black country banger, 34 years old. He is 12 in four in his pro career. Six foot one with a 77 inch reach. That means he will be six inches taller than Ludovic Klein and have a five inch reach advantage over him. He's two and three in his UFC career. He's alternated wins and losses over his last four. His last fight was a win. He was five and zero in Cage Warriors before he came to the UFC. Klein, meanwhile, is known as Mr. Highlight. He's 28 years old, 19 and four as a professional. As I said, he is going to be at a huge height and reach disadvantage because he is only five foot seven with a 72 inch reach and the lightweight division. He is three and two in the UFC, but the last two have both been wins. He was 2-0 in ACB before that. And if you're looking for odds on this one, Jai Herbert, sizable underdog, plus 165 to Ludovic Klein's negative 200. And uh, for this one, uh, which I guess I'm kicking this one off, I, I'm going to go underdog two out of the two in a row out of the gate. Uh, I think Jai Herbert got a really bad rap for his early UFC fights. I think... You know, especially the Francisco Trinaldo fight. I think a lot of people watched and were like, ah, man, I don't know about this guy. And then he lost to Aliyah Topuria and Renato Moicano, which like, you know, if you're going to lose to two guys, Renato Moicano, who is, you know, just been a beast since coming to lightweight and really even at, at featherweight before then, Aliyah Topuria, granted, he was coming up in weight. That dude throws hammers. But, you know, apart from that, he's looked really good in the UFC, Jai Herbert has. And I think Ludovic Klein is going to have a tough time dealing with the distance. If Jai Herbert can get his hands on him the way he got his hands on so many guys in Cage Warriors, he's got great KO power. So I wouldn't be super surprised if he's able to knock out Ludovic Klein here. How about you? This is a good fight, like a real like good sneaky fight. I'm going to differ. I'm going to go with the favorite here in uh, Ludovic Klein. I liked him uh, when he was on the Ultimate Fighter. He's coming off of a... Um, Pretty big upset win over uh, Mason Jones. Mason Jones was a guy that I think a lot of people were very high on coming into the UFC, and uh, <clears throat> Klein beat him in his last fight. I'm going to go Klein here. I think the striking is uh, very, very interesting. J- Jai Herbert is a very slick striker, but uh, I think Klein I think Klein gets it done. I don't know how he gets it done. It's probably going to be a really good striking match. Klein might have a little bit of an edge on the ground, but uh, I'm going to go Klein here. Yeah, I think you're definitely right. If it does wind up on the ground, I do favor Klein. And there's actually going to be a fight we talk about in the future, too, where if it if it hits the mat, I, I am going to lean the opposite way of the way I pick. And that's kind of rare for me. I'm usually a guy who, you know, leans. We, we talked about it last week. I, I lean on the grapplers. I like to see a good grappling match. And uh, here I am le- leaning on the strikers out of the gate here. So uh, this next one, we shouldn't have a problem leaning on the strikers at all, because this is a very strike heavy fight. And that is, of course, 
the women's flyweight fight. I'm talking about Joanne Wood versus Luana Carolina. Joanne Wood, nicknamed JoJo, is now 37 years old. She's 15 and 8 in her pro career. She's 5'6 with a 65 and a half inch reach that will put her at the same height as Carolina, but at a three and a half inch disadvantage. She's 7 and 8 in her UFC career, and she is coming off of three straight losses. She's 4-0 and in Invicta before she came to the UFC and, of course, had that run on The Ultimate Fighter. Luana Carolina, meanwhile, nickname is Dread. She is only 29 years old, which puts her as eight years younger than Joanne Wood. She's 8-3 and three in her pro career. She's going to have that 3.5-inch reach advantage. She's 3-2 and two in her UFC stint. Her last fight was a loss to Molly McCann, and she was 1-0 and oh on Contender Series before that. If you're looking for lines on this one, Joanne Wood betting off at negative 200, a sizable favorite. Luana Carolina plus 165. Who you got, Kurt? Man, remember when uh, Joanne Wood, at the time Calder Wood, was supposed to get a title shot and she decided to. Uh, what, who was who did she face when she decided to take that? that was, it, was it Jennifer? Ma- Je- Jennifer Maya. Was it Jennifer, was it Jennifer Maya or? Chukagian. It was like one of those two fights where it was one of those people you uh, shouldn't fight ever. <laughs> no, especially when you got a title shot already lined up, and you know the the wheels have kind of fallen off since then. I'm gonna go with Calderwood here. I just think that she's got, you know, it is a battle of strikers. I like her striking a little bit better. I think she's overall fought the better competition, although she's lost three in a row. Two of them are by rear naked choke, but I mean Talia Santos and Alexa Grasso. Pretty good. Lauren Murphy as well. Pretty good. Um, yeah, I'm going to go uh, Joanne Wood here. I think she gets it done um, by decision. Yeah, and I, I did look it up, or I put the intern on it, rather, because that's what we, we do here. We put the intern on it. Uh, it was Jennifer Maya who armbarred her in the first round and, and ruined her title shot. She did fight Chokagian before that, and actually, that's a little piece I'm going to throw into this uh, analysis. Is I agree with you. I think Joanne Wood here has better striking than Luana Carolina. I think she's better in the clinch. I think she's going to be better from distance. I even like her kicks a little bit better. And I'll also say this. If I think she doesn't have an advantage on the feet, she's shown that, like, low-key, she has kind of sneaky grappling. Um, If you go back to that fight with Caitlin Chokagian, a fight that I, I had actually thought she maybe won that fight, she took down Caitlin Chokagian a bunch of times. I think it was like three or four times she took her down. She had good control on top. That's kind of how she beat Andrea Lee. Like, when, when she just doesn't feel super comfortable that she's going to win the fight on the feet, she does have that ability to bring it to the mat. And so I think she's going to have a striking advantage. And if she doesn't feel like that advantage is enough, man, I, I definitely think she can take it to the mat here and, and get the win there, too. So, yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Joanne Wood. I would say it's not my most confident pick. I'm a little bit worried about her age and her uh, her three-fight losing streak. But I, I do like her in this one. Uh, And that's going to bring us to the 125-pound weight class for a third time, this time on the men's side. Jake White Kong Hadley versus Malcolm X Gordon. White Kong is 26 years old. He is 9-1 in his professional career. He's 5'7 with a 68-inch reach. That's going to put him at the same height as Malcolm Gordon, but a 2-inch reach disadvantage. He's 1-1 in the UFC. He's coming off of a submission win over Carlos Candelario. He was 1-0 in Bellator, 1-0 on Contender Series. He missed weight on the Contender Series, but they gave him a contract anyway, uh, which apparently made uh, Mick Maynard pretty mad about the whole thing. But yeah, here he is in the UFC, 1-1 now. He's going to be fighting Malcolm Gordon, 32 years old, which puts him at six years older than Hadley. 
14 and six in his pro career, just two inches of reach over Hadley. He's two and three in his UFC career, and he's coming off of that loss to Mohamed Bukhayev. He was one and zero in Bellator before this, and also the TKO champion. He actually had multiple regional championships on his mantle. Uh, Malcolm Gordon's going to come in as a pretty massive underdog in this one, plus 290. Jake Hadley, negative 380. And I'll say this, Malcolm Gordon, ah, man, he he gave me some some things to think about. I went back and watched a little bit of that Mohamed Mokayev fight. And, and Mokayev just, like, continuously gave up positions he shouldn't have given up. You know, like, looking for the choke and stuff like that. And the thing about Malcolm Gordon is the dude's crafty on the mat. You, you don't have to think he's really great or, you know, he's a world beater or anything to know that, like, this dude's crafty on the mat. And if you give him positions... He'll take them, uh, and he can do damage from them or hold those positions or anything that makes it bad. But I think the problem for me here and why I'm going to go favorite in Jake Hadley is Hadley is maybe not a better wrestler than Mohamed Mokayev. In fact, I know he's not. He he might be a slightly better striker, but the bottom line is he's also less risky than Mohamed Mokayev. Like, Mokayev is so – like, he's so chasing that finish all the time that I think he kind of gives up positions he doesn't need to. And I don't think Jake Hadley's going to do that here against Gordon. I think he'll probably settle into like some guards and some half guard positions here, drop some hammer fists and uh, be happy to take home a decision. Should that be what he gets? Uh, how about you? Any reason to get excited about the dog here? No, I don't think so. And I got to start picking some, uh, some Brits. I think I've picked against a couple of Brits so far. So I am going to go <laughs> with the favorite as well. Um, yeah, I think Hadley's just, He's just overall a little bit better um, probably everywhere. Like you said, he's not as risky as Mokayev, so I think he will be able to control Malcolm Gordon in long stretches of this fight. I think he gets it done. Yeah, I think so too. And I feel like Malcolm Gordon is slowly turning into that guy that the UFC uses to try to like prop up whatever flyweight they really want to look good. Because they had him in there. Uh, uh, he lost to Amiro Basie. Suma Derji. Suma Derji. Then they gave him Francisco Figueredo and he messed that one up on him um, because I think they wanted Little Figgy to be like a thing, uh, but then he wasn't. And then his next one, he won by, you know, an arm injury after a couple of fights were canceled. But then Mokayev and Jake Hadley, like, dude, dude that is a murderer's row, the poor guy. But uh, nevertheless, uh, we are picking against him. So maybe hopefully he continues to be poor in this one. And uh, let's keep this moving because we are actually... Let's take a quick break and let me tell you really briefly about Underdog Fantasy. We're brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy is heating up for March Madness. The College Pick'em is a great way to get in on the action, especially if your bracket is busted after day one. Plus, Underdog Fantasy has your favorite college basketball player props. Head on over to underdogfantasy.com and use promo code SGPN for 100% deposit bonus of up to 100 bucks. That's underdogfantasy.com, promo code SGPN. All right, so as I said, uh, we're moving on to the middleweight division now for the first of two fights featuring a guy named Chris Duncan. Uh, Of course, this time I'm talking about Christian Leroy Duncan, which we will have to say in order to specify. He is the the one from England versus the one from Scotland, um, and he will be fighting Dushko Todorovic. So Christian Duncan... Uh, 27 years old. He is undefeated at seven and zero. Oh. He's six foot two. Could not find his reach anywhere, but I'm gonna wager this dude's got some pretty massive reach because it looks like he's long as hell every single time he fights. Uh, as I mentioned, this will be his UFC debut. 
He was 7-0. That's right. Every single one of his fights was in Cage Warriors before this. He was their middleweight champ. He was scheduled to defend that championship against JT Money, uh, Jesse Taylor. But uh, Jesse Taylor got hit by a car that night. So uh, that fight didn't wind up happening. And they gave him a contract anyway. And he'll get his chance to debut here in London against Dushko Todorovic. The nickname's Thunder. He's 28, which is one year older than Christian Duncan. He's 12-3 and three in his pro career. Six foot one, so slightly shorter. He's got that 74-inch reach. He is 3-3 three and three in his UFC career. He's alternated wins and losses over his last four fights. His last win being a win over one of my personal least favorite in Jordan, the, the Beverly Hills Ninja Wright. Uh, and he was 1-0 on Contender Series, which is how he made his way to the UFC. So uh, I believe it is your turn to break this one down first. Let me give you the lines. Christian Leroy Duncan, negative 215. Thunder Dushko Todorovic. Uh, plus 175. Uh, this, uh, maybe not the, uh, sloppy special of the night, but, uh, man, this, this fight has fireworks written all over it. I watched a lot of the tape on, uh, uh, Chris Leroy Duncan. The guy has some really, really nice striking, throws a lot of, uh, throws a lot of wild stuff, spinning stuff, flying knees. Um, but he's got a lot of power and, uh, I think, uh, Dusko Todorovic is, is the kind of guy that's going to meet him right in the middle and um, look to bang. So I think this fight, either way, I think it is going to end in a finish. But I'm going to keep the uh, Brit train rolling. I'm going to go Chris Leroy Duncan. I think there's going to be a lot of fun exchanges. Uh, Todorovic might might think about taking the fight to the ground and trying to slow down the action. But I think before the bell rings in the third round, I think that uh, Chris Leroy Duncan is going to get him out of there with something spectacular. Yeah, I'm with you on this one. And I think I mentioned, alluded earlier in the show that th there was a guy out there who I said, uh, I think I was talking about Ludovic Klein before. If he chose to wrestle, that might actually work better for him. I feel the same way about Todorovic here. Like if he chose to wrestle, I think he'd probably have a better chance at winning this fight. But at the end of the day, first of all, I don't think he will. And second of all, I'm not sure how prolonged his success will be if he decides to go that route. Because you know, Chris Leroy Duncan has got really great range. You know, you mentioned some of the crazy stuff he does, you know, the jumping attacks, the spinning attacks, you know, that jumping flying knee that is on every single highlight reel from him is just spectacular. But the, the bottom line is, too, is that he's got that like Taekwondo style where he's fighting you from a range that you don't look like you can reach him in. So even if you are as tall as him or as long as him, and I don't think Dushko is either of those things. I think getting in on the takedowns for him here is going to be miserable. So, yeah, give me give me Chris Leroy Duncan here. I think he uh, he pieces up Dushko and probably finds that finish. Um, and that brings us to featherweights. And this is an exciting featherweight fight. A pair of undefeated fighters, Lerone Murphy versus Gabriel Santos. Uh, Lerone Murphy, the miracle, is 31 years old. He's 11-0-1 in, in his professional career. He's 5'9 with a 73-and-a-half-inch reach. That's going to put him at the same height and a 2-inch reach advantage over Gabriel Santos. He's 3-0-1 in his UFC stint. He's coming off of a absolutely devastating knee knockout against Makwan Amirakani. He's going to be fighting the newcomer who's coming in here on short notice. He's the LFA champ, is Gabriel Santos. Mosquitino, which means tiny mosquito, is 26 years old. He's five years younger than Murphy. 10-0 and 0 
in his pro career. He's, like I said, also five foot nine with a slight reach disadvantage. This is his short notice UFC debut. He was 2-0 and in LFA, where he won their tournament championship at uh, featherweight, and he has multiple regional championships on his mantle. Uh, Mur- Murphy is only a ever so slight favorite at negative 185. Gabriel Santos plus 150. Uh, and I believe this one's to me. Uh, I'm going to, man, I've been all over the dogs here, but I'm going to d- let the dogs bark one more time here. I'm going to take Gabriel Santos. I know the short notice thing, and, and maybe I'm I'm reaching a little bit because I like him so much from LFA, and maybe the short notice thing will come back to bite me as it typically does, but I, I just see the things that he does and how he drags people into really ugly fights, and I think that's trouble for Murphy. I will also just say, like, I think if, if Santos wanted to grapple here, he could. Because as we saw with Lerone Murphy, like he was losing that fight with Maquan Amirakani. You know, not for anything. He was losing a fight with Maquan Amirakani on a massive losing streak. I think Santos could go there if it wasn't working. I think his hands are enough to stand with Murphy. Um, I, I think this one is also just going to be a beggar for as long as it lasts. Uh, how about you? Are you going dog or are you sticking with the Brits here? Man, this is a... Uh... This is a good fight, huh? Uh, especially, like, it's crazy, too. It shows how good Gabriel Santos is, because Lerone Murphy is an absolute uh, just stud stud, undefeated stud. And, and taking a fight on short notice, and you're not, like, a, usually, especially fighting guys like the uh, stature of Lerone Murphy, like, you take a short notice fight, and you're usually, like, plus, what, 300-ish? Minimum. Um, plus 300 minimum. Yeah. Yeah, I think this has to be my favorite fight on the uh, prelim card. I'm, uh, I'm thinking Santos... Especially being undefeated, you know, obviously you don't want to pass up your UFC opportunity, but I'm thinking that he was in relatively good shape to uh, take this fight. Uh, I am going to roll with the Brits here. I'm going to keep that train rolling. I'm going to go with Lerone Murphy. Um, but again, like this, this is a super fun stylistic matchup. They're both really good. They're both undefeated. Just like you, I kind of flip-flopped back and forth, but I'm going to settle with Murphy. I think he gets it done in a close fight. You know, I think he's just going to have a little bit more of a motor, and uh, I think he ekes out a relatively close decision. But Gabriel Santos is a guy that you're going to want to keep your eye on. Uh, I mean, both of these guys, I think, are going to have really uh, great UFC careers. Yeah, this, this strikes me as almost one of those ones where, like, if if uh, if Gabriel Santos does come out of this one and, and wind up losing, and as I said, you know, he's a dog play that I like here, but, you know, he's totally one of those guys who, who I think can can could get could get the upset, but not necessarily is going to get the upset. Regardless, I think he's one of those guys who's going to walk away with all of us feeling better about him. You know, kind of like Garrett Armfield losing to David Onama. We were like, oh shit, this guy's actually pretty good at the end of the day. Or like, I mean, I think we all felt that way when, uh, when Mason Jones lost to Mike Davis on short notice, we were like, oh yeah, Mason Jones, this guy can kind of fight a little bit. So um, and actually the, the way that David Onama lost to Mason Jones, um, too, while we're, while we're just making this go full circle, I, I think this could kind of be one of those debuts where, uh, where the guy, maybe even if he loses winds up, uh, looking better. Now, a guy who I don't think is going to be looking better is yet another flyweight fight. And I'm of course talking about Jafel Filo, uh, which, you know, not to knock the poor guy, but he's fighting Quite the opponent in Mohamed Mokayev, a guy the UFC is very high on. Let's give you the particulars for this flyweight fight. Mohamed Mokayev, the Punisher, only 22 years old. He's got aspirations to be the youngest champ of all time. 
He's 8-0 in his pro career, 5'7 with a 70-inch reach. That is going to give him an inch-and-a-half reach advantage over Filho. He's 3-0 in the UFC. He was 4-0 in Brave before that. He is a negative 835 favorite in this fight. Tefilo, whose nickname is Pastor, he's 29 years old, seven years older than Mokayev. He's 14-2 in his pro career. This is his UFC debut. Before this, he was 7-2 in Shudo, where he was their champ. He's also got multiple regional championships on his mantle. He's betting off at plus 545 in his debut. Uh, I feel like I'm giving you a couple of the layups here in the way that this is going back and forth. But tell me... uh, Maybe how do you see Mokayev winning rather than do you see Mokayev winning? I mean, I will say for Jalal Filo, he is pretty solid. I watched some of the tape. He's very well-rounded. He's got um, 13 finishes on his uh, record. He's won five straight. But, man, he's just running into a buzzsaw right now. Mokayev is just young. He's just – the guy's an animal. I mean, the guy is so good. He's aggressive. But, like you said, man, he – I feel like Mokayev is going to run into a guy eventually, maybe relatively soon, that is going to punish him for a lot of the mistakes he makes mm-hmm. um, for rushing too too much to get the finishes. But again, a lot of times he just makes it up with just like well, athleticism. Skills, dude. Yeah. yeah, athleticism, <laughs> skill, determination. He's got sick cardio. Um, I I, I got I to go with uh, submission here. I think he his ground game is just super slick he's good at taking the back um he's got good pressure good passing um i i think i think uh philo will give a good account of himself you know i don't think he's going to go out there and get finished in the first like minute or two but i think makayev is going to be able to wear him down and i think he uh probably gets it done by submission um before the final bell rings yeah, and, and the thing about Philo, too, is if you look at his record, most of his wins are by submission, right? And so, like, you, you might think to yourself, ah, well, maybe Mokhayev won't want to go to the ground with him. You know, he won't want to get triangle choked or guillotined on the way in. But then if you look at Philo's record and you look at the style of most of those submissions, it's all him controlling the fight. It's all him arm triangles, rear naked chokes, um, you know, grounded pound from mount. You know, like, it, it's all he gets to a dominant position with his wrestling and is able to finish it. And let's face it, he's not going to do that against Mokayev, uh, which is why I feel good about him. And most likely the work rate of Mokayev is just going to be too high for him to deal with. I will say, I kind of agree with you. It's one of those situations where I think Mokayev is going to hit a ceiling that we, some people aren't ready for. And it's going to be with somebody who can punish him for bad moves on the back. I think somebody like Matt Schnell or Alex Perez, or even if you go a little bit higher up the rankings, Matthews Nicolau, like I think when he starts to run into guys like that, that can really freaking grapple, right? Because those guys can grapple. He starts running into guys like that. I think he's going to have trouble, but I don't think Thilo is the guy to do it. Um, all right. That brings us to lightweights. Uh, Sam Patterson versus, you know, Ashmoff, pair of guys making their UFC debuts. And with very, very different statures. Uh, let's start with the tall, lanky st- of the statures first. Sam Patterson, the future, 26 years old. He's 10, one in one in his pro career. Six foot three at lightweight. He is six foot three at lightweight. Once again, he is six foot three at lightweight with a 78 inch reach advantage or a 78 inch reach. Uh, I don't have Ashmoss reach, so uh, I won't be able to give you these particulars on that. 
As I said before, it is his UFC debut. He's 5-1-1 in Brave before this. He got his contract through Contender Series. Nice rear naked choke finish. Got him the, the his name on the dotted line. You know, Ashmoff, nickname is the Red Fox. He's 27 years old. That's one year older than Patterson. 6-0 in his pro career. He's only 5'9", which means he's giving up six inches of height in this fight. This is also his UFC debut. He was 1-0 in PFL before this. The odds, if you're looking for those, Sam Patterson, negative 280. You know, Ashmoff, plus 225. Uh, I'm kicking this one off. I like Sam Patterson quite a bit in this one. Um, and I, I went back and I listened to uh, to when I broke down him on Contender Series back in the fall. And I was fading him. I actually was pretty low on his chances in the fight as well as his chances if he did make it to the UFC. I, I think that the the height is great in certain situations. I don't think he always uses it. But here's the thing. He could be terrible at using this height and reach. And it wouldn't matter against this dude. Because this dude who's fighting him in Ashmoff it's not only six inches shorter, but he also just like has a very bad sense of range. Like I, I saw him like whiff on like a hundred kicks in a row in PFL. It seemed like, you know, he, he throws kind of like a big overhand, right. That comes up, you know, five or six inches short. And now he's going to be fighting a guy even longer. If he does get in on the inside, Sam Patterson's finished half of his fights with submissions. So, you know, I like Patterson for that reason. Um, yeah, there's just too many things here for me to like about Patterson too many things that are possible problems for Ashmoff. Uh, how about you? Yeah, I'm going Patterson too, man. The the reach, the reach and size disadvantage, I think, is just going to be too much for uh, Ashmoff to uh, overcome. I think the jab's going to be in his face the whole time. And then, uh, like you said, I mean, it, you know, if he, if he does close the distance enough, I think Patterson's going to be able to do enough work in close. Um, you know, I don't really think Ashmoff is going to have much success if he does you know, try to get it down or get it to the mat. Yeah, I think it's all Patterson here. I think he finishes him as well. I got a follow-up question on this one, too. Yeah. Like, do, do you think do, do you think this frame is sustainable for somebody who wants to make a run up a division? Like, you know, we've seen the Kendall Groves of the world or, you know, the, the Stefan Strews, but, like, none of them have really been, like, top 15 mainstays. And I, I don't mean to, like, jump the gun on a guy who's making his UFC debut, but... Do you feel like somebody who's shaped like this is is poised to to do such a thing? Yeah, it's it's got to be tough. I mean, I don't know how much uh, much weight he's cutting either, but he just it doesn't looks, look like there is any to cut. To be yeah, fair. I know he just <laughs> looks huge. At uh, you know who's another good one? Uh, I'll, I'll throw I'll, I'll throw a real throwback into you. Remember George Roop? Yes, I was like the, seven foot three fighting at one thirty five. Do, do you know what George Roop <laughs> does for a living now? I don't. He owns a massive uh, weed warehouse now oh, in nice. Arizona. Yeah, so he's got – he was, like, one of the first big ones down in Arizona in, like, the dispensary business. So he's doing very well for himself, uh, I found out through uh, somebody who used to train with him. So, yeah, George Roop doing well, selling weed, uh, and also uh, knocked out the Korean zombie with one of the most vicious head kicks I've ever seen in my whole life. He did. That was insane. Um, yeah, yeah back, back to the original question. I mean, let's see how he looks – Let's see how he looks um, this weekend in the UFC debut. I mean, I I, I don't know. I, I mean, if he if he can make weight, you know, safely and healthily, I mean, dude, being six three at lightweight is is definitely going to give you some advantage over a lot of guys. That is true. All right. Well, let's talk about some other lightweights. That's the division we got yet again next. And that is we're now talking about the second Chris Duncan. This is the Chris Scottish Duncan. 
and he will be fighting Omar Morales. So Chris Duncan, he's the problem. 29 years old. That's going to be eight years younger than Omar Morales. He's nine and one in his pro career. Five foot ten with a 71 inch reach. Uh, that's going to put him at one inch shorter, two and a half inches of reach disadvantage against Morales. He's making his UFC debut. He was 3-0 and in Bellator before that, 1-1 on the Contender Series. He lost to Slava Claus in his first go-round and then followed that up with a win over Charlie Campbell. Uh, huge comeback win, very exciting fight, and that got him the contract. Morales, meanwhile, the Venezuelan fighter, real creative nickname. He is <laughs> he's 37 years old. That's eight years older. 11 and three in his pro career. One inch taller. Two and a half reach advantage. He is three and three in the UFC. He was one and zero in Bellator. One and zero in the Contender Series. Uh, and he's going to be the slight favorite here. Negative 120 to Chris Duncan. Uh, I believe this one's on you. Who you got in this one? Kind of surprised that Duncan is the uh, dog here. Maybe I'm not though. Morales is a uh... Again, it's like one of those, you look at the record, you know, Morales has just fought better competition, right? Um, fought Ursos Medish in the last fight, fought Jonathan Pierce, Shane Young, Giga Chikadze. Um, But man, Chris Duncan, dude, that first fight he had with uh, Slava Claus on uh, a war. Defender Series was an <laughs> absolute war. And then he goes out there and finishes Charlie Campbell in his uh, next next attempt on the Contender Series. Uh Got big power in his hands, likes to throw bombs. Uh, I'm going Chris Duncan here. I think he gets it done by knockout, but Morales is, you know, up until his last two fights, he had never been finished. But yeah, I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to go Duncan here. I think he comes out throwing bombs. Morales might make him pay for it, but uh, I don't think so. I mean, Morales only has two knockouts on his record. He might take him down though, but uh, yeah, I'm going, uh, I'm going Duncan here. I'm actually going to go with Morales. Uh, I really liked Duncan after that comeback win, but then I was just reminded in how hurt he was in that fight. Um, did you did you ever watch uh, that contender series when he won? The cameras immediately cut to like the slow motion crowd reaction. You know, sometimes they do that with the families, but they got Charlie Campbell's family instead of Chris Duncan's. I don't know why they thought it was Chris Duncan's. So it was like them looking excited and then suddenly just like devastated, um, which is one of the more brutal things I've seen ESPN plus do. But um, I digress. Uh, yeah, I just remember how hurt he was in that fight. And then, you know, to your point, he got flatlined at the end of that Slava Claus fight. He was damn near close to that again uh, in the Charlie Campbell fight. And the thing I'll say about Morales is, yeah, he did get knocked out by Urosos Medic, but like before that, I mean, he went three hard rounds with Giga Chikadze. You know, he went right three hard rounds with Gabriel Benitez. He went three hard rounds with Shane Young, and he came out of two or three of those as a winner, you know, which is crazy. Um, and yeah, he got submitted by Jonathan Pierce, but that's a loss that ages better and better every single day at this point. So um, I'm going to say Morales. I, I think I worry a little bit about Chris Duncan's chin at this point. And so uh, I'll, I'll take the favorite in Morales here. Um, but we are finally getting to our very last fight of these extendedly long prelims. Thank you guys for chilling with us for so long. Uh, it is a little bit of a longer episode. Uh, let's talk about uh, 145 pounders, featherweights, Jack Shore versus Makwan Amir Khani. Jack Shore, his nickname is Tank. 28 years old, 16 and one in his pro career. He's five and eight or five, eight rather with a 71 inch reach. That is going to be two inches shorter with a one inch reach 
one inch reach disadvantage. I'm losing my ability to talk in minute 40 here. Uh, he's five and one in his pro career. His own or five and one in his UFC career. His only loss is his last fight against Ricky Simone. He was nine and zero in cage warriors before this, where he was their champion. Makwan Amerikani, in addition to having the best picture on tapology altogether, is also nicknamed Mr. Finland. He is 34 years old. That's six years older than Jack Shore. 17 and eight in his pro career. Two inches taller, one inch reach advantage. Seven and six in his UFC career. He was four and one in the Scandinavian promotion cage before this. And he's a massive underdog in this one. Plus 380 to Jack Shore's negative 520. Uh, I'm going to end this one off. I'm going to say take Jack Shore. Uh, while I like Makwan Amirakani, look, this dude only wins fights when he can outgrapple you, right? Like he was outgrappling Lerone Murphy, and that was his path to win against Lerone Murphy. It wasn't sustainable because you just can't, you know, stay away from Lerone Murphy's hands that long. I don't even think he can get the grappling going against Jack Shore, right? His only loss is Ricky Simone, who... You know, Ricky Simone grappled well with Murab Duvalishvili, which, like, talk about a loss that aged well, or a win that aged well, rather, because Ricky Simone came out on top in that one. Uh, I think Jack Shore, apart from that fight, has always looked like the better grappler. I think he's going to be rangier here. I don't even think he needs to grapple Amir Khani if he doesn't want to. Yeah, this has got Jack Shore all over it for me. How about you? Yeah, I, I agree. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of, you know, some of the people kind of, uh, you know, jumped off the bandwagon a little bit. I was at the Ricky Simone fight. Uh, super surprised. I actually had uh, uh, Jack Shore was the last leg of my of a parlay I had that day. Oh. It did not uh, <laughs> not work out for me. But yeah, man, Jack Shore is still really good. And we're you kind of uh, you know Mark Mark Americani is kind of that guy where like kind of talked about it a little bit earlier where he's like the guy where you know he's kind of like that setup guy, right? Like he's been in there with everybody. He's super tough. Um, but man, I, I just think this is this is a tough one for him. Jack Shore is super well rounded. He's good on the feet, good on the mat. I think he can match Americani on the mat if and when it does go there. I do think the scramble is going to be really fun in this fight. But uh, you know, I, I can see Jack Shore like snagging up a guillotine or getting to the back and rear naked choking him. Yeah, I like Jack Shore here a lot. Yeah, and even if he doesn't get the finish too, I just think you know, with the way that, that they're supposed to emphasize who's landing the bigger shots and who's getting to the better positions, Amir Khani might threaten with stuff in those scrambles. Cause like you said, he's such a good scrambler. I just don't think he's going to have his moments. You know what I mean? Like he, he's not going to have, you know, that big shot that stumbles Jack Shore and Jack Shore might have that. He's not going to have two and a half minutes of top control time where he lands six ground and pound, big strikes to the mat. Like, and Jack Shore is going to have that. So, yeah, I, I think Jack Shore is the play here. All right. That is 10 fights. Let me recap them quick for you. Both of us are on Jack Shore. Uh, Kurt is on Chris Duncan. I am on Omar Morales. We're both on Sam Patterson, both on Mokamed Mukayev. He's on Leroy Murphy, and I am on Gabriel Santos. We're both on Chris Leroy Duncan, both on Jake Hadley, both on Joanne Wood. He's taking Ludovic Klein, and I'm taking Jai Herbert, and he's taking Juliana Miller, and I'm taking the big dog in Veronica Hardy. All right, and that is 10 fights for you guys, all in a the span of, well, we got it to you a little bit longer than we usually do. Thanks for tuning in with us. Once again, if you are liking what you're hearing, make sure you rate, review, and subscribe, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. 
Also, remember to get in the Discord, uh, sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Discord. That place is popping all the time on fight nights, whether it is a LFA fight night or a UFC fight night or Invictus on Wednesdays. There's always a ton of people in the Discord talking about their picks, so make sure you pop in there. Also, make it, speaking of popping in, make sure you pop into our prop contest. That will be coming up in the Discord and on our Twitter account. Only two more weeks to enter that and win some free merch. And also remember to follow us on Twitter at SGPNMMA for the show, at Gumby Freeland for me. And if you want to follow Kurt, at KCPKO. Oof. And I think that's all the heavy lifting. We will be back tomorrow, Thursday, for the main card of UFC 286, Edwards versus Usman 3. We'll also be giving you guys our lock, dog, and prop in the Hungry Man Jong Parlay then. So until next, uh, well, not next week, until tomorrow, I'm Daniel Gumby-Freeland. He's Kurt Chase Patrick, and we will catch you then.